This is Dan Decker, host of Bad Choices in Bourbon. But I'll tell you what isn't a bad choice. Catching up with Spock the Week. Gregor, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I've had a little bit of the cold. Oh, wasn't, wasn't COVID, just the cold, but I'm all right now. You, you don't get actual sympathy for a cold at the moment, I'm no, afraid. You, no, you don't. I stayed away from the office for two weeks because I just didn't want people talking about me, snotting, is coughing. That, is all that over the real place. reason, or is it just because you didn't want to go to work? Oh, uh, well, uh, I had my uh, laptop home with me, so I still ended up working. Oh, no. But in the kitchen, which isn't much fun. No, it's so, hard to get comfortable at a kitchen table, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sarah's got had a little office set up because she's at home permanently, but yeah. I don't I, I don't get that luxury. So yeah, that's that. So you're back for more. Yeah, I'm excited. Are you out of your Vulcan mind? I am indeed out of my Vulcan mind. As you can see, I'm Obviously, people listening to the podcast can't see, but I'm that excited that I've just put myself outside of the Temple of Pijem on Vulcan, because why not? Yeah, it looks great, folks. Where did you get that? Uh, Google Images. It's Google amazing what you get if you type in Vulcan Planet into Google Images. I wasn't sure if it was like ST online or whatever. But, uh, uh, no, this one's a screen cap from an episode of Star Trek. It didn't even say where I got it from. It's not the yeah. Star Trek Online one. No. Do you know where I'm I, I See, today, I am so Vulcan horny today. It's been seven years, and I'm horny as a Vulcan. It's... Never have I been more glad that there's a, a an in, a, like a, a barrier in between us that we're not allowed to cross yet due to um, restrictions that are in place. Mm, yeah, but we are on camera with each other, and we could be doing stuff, and the listeners would never know. No, but I would, so can we not? <laughs> so we're doing Vulcans tonight, in case anyone hadn't worked out. We um, are. It would be illogical to do anything else. It would be logical, wouldn't it? I mean, let's be honest, they're in almost every single episode, less so DS9. But, yep. you know. oh, yeah, if you discount DS9, you struggle to find an episode of Star Trek that they're not either in or mentioned Take me to the holodecks one that stands out in DS9. I can't think of too many others where there's Vulcans actually part of the main story in DS9. 
which in a way is good for DS9 because the the Vulcans they're possibly a little bit overdone by now. Like it, it was nice that DS9 went down different avenues with different races and explored different things. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't have an issue with it. No, 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 not to die. Not to die. We fair. had Odo. Can you imagine Odo and a Vulcan? That would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Mm. That would have been the most monotonous hour of television ever. Odo yeah. talking to a Vulcan. I don't think there was much interaction between Odo and the, the Vulcan in uh, Take Me to the Holodeck, was there? Not that I recall, no. No. I don't think there was. No, it's a few months since my last DS9 binge where I watched the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you and I can talk about it, but JJ, when he's not here, would not have a clue because he's not that far on in Deep Space Nine because he's a pretend Star Trek fan. That, 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 that's true. Um, I, I do need to tell the people who are listening about that message that you sent me earlier on in the week where you informed me that you were two episodes further on into Discovery. Yeah. Um, How did um, that go for you? Not good. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> not good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to write too much about it, mate. I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you see that tweet that I sent out uh, or some screen graphs. I, I, I haven't, but but just just pad out some time for a minute. So, so, I'm going to have to find you on Twitter. I, now, I shall be a comment. I'll do a commentary. So at the moment. Um, James is looking up his phone, chasing a tweet from me that I sent out about Star Trek. I'm not going to say it, I'm not going to go into detail here, uh, but it was something that I felt was completely inappropriate for Star Trek that happened in a specific episode. And James is looking for it. He's The hand is on the chin, that means he's now contemplating. He's probably reading it. Yeah, I, just... I, I didn't get the Christian undertones at all. Mm. That went... Okay. Might be because I'm Jewish, so things like that are really not very obvious to me. Um, well, the white, the white robe, the, the dialogue, and then the crucifixion position was all very... Yeah, no... Is, I'm an atheist, by the way. I, I'm... Sorry, I'm not an atheist. I am a militant atheist. But no, I, I haven't got the Christian upbringing, so the imagery and the iconography mm. and everything isn't massively mm. strong in my head, so it's not a conclusion I would jump to. Uh, so I'm going to have to bow to people who have that sort of... Are you not a member of Jews for Jesus? I am most definitely not, no. No, there is a group called Jews for Jesus. There, there, there is. They, they, yeah. they do exist. But yeah. no, I, I'm not one of those. And a somewhat ironic manner. Jews for Jesus? I don't know enough about them to know whether it's ironic or whether there's actual concrete theological components to it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know enough to be able to comment. What's next? What's next? Vegans for cows? I don't know. You know. Vegans for cows just makes sense, though, really, doesn't it? Because that's kind of all vegans, really. Vegans promoting the eating of beef. 
There we go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. But speaking of vegans, we are talking about Vulcans tonight. Did you see what I did there? Did you I like see that? what you did there? <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, our species outside of humans, the species that have been in more episodes and that we probably know more about than any other species in Star Trek. Yeah. So, but if you've come to learn about Vulcans tonight, you've come to the wrong place. You definitely have. If you want to learn about Vulcans, can I recommend you purchase the Star Trek Encyclopedia, disconnect your podcast app, and go away, because th this is going to result in Gregor or myself, or maybe both of us, ranting about something that has nothing to do with Vulcans at some point this evening. Yeah, so, I mean, let's say, obviously, I, I mean, I think... People, I think the biggest character from the original series is Spock, obviously, a, a half Vulcan. Um, yeah. Now, he's in, obviously, every episode of season one, and I yeah. think there's a couple of standout episodes that he has, but it's very much Spock's development. So all you really learn about the Vulcans through season one is that their logic is key. You don't know much about the background of why... They, they, they've gone into that. You don't find out about their violent past till much later in, in Star Trek. But I think probably the episode that gets really interesting with the Hawkins in Star Trek, season one, episode two, and up time. Because there you really get into some of the the Vulcan mythology, the Vulcan customs, um, and the Vulcan lore really kicks off from that episode. Yeah, um, my homework from Gregor this time was to watch two episodes of TOS. One was A Mock Time, and the other one was Galileo 7. I didn't watch A Mock Time. So I'm not going to pretend I know what goes on in that episode, because I haven't seen it. So, Gregor, what happens in that episode? Well, well you watched well, you watch the Galileo 7, which uh, I, I think I described. If you want to know more about Spock or Spock's character, then I thought that was a good episode for that. But A Mock Time is very much, what, as I just said, about the, the lore of Star Trek. And interestingly, how much of that actually came from Leonard Nimoy at the time, who really by this point knew the character and was actually making his own creative contributions to Star Trek at this point. And well, so it, it's things as simple as the um, Live Long and Prosper hand yeah. sign, which is the letter Shin yeah. um, from Judaism, um, which is quite cool, which is supposed to represent Shalom, which is peace. Uh, but it was taken to be used by the Vulcans, so he's used some of his Jewish background in there, which is quite cool. So if you've not seen the episode, the, the story is um, Spock gets the horn. He's, he's so Vulcan horny. Um, and Seven year age. Yeah, it turns out he's got to go back to his wife in Vulcan uh, to sow his wild oats. And, and this is series one, episode two? This is season two, episode one. Oh, right, right, okay. I thought, yeah, this, uh, I thought you were telling me this is the second ever episode of Star Trek. I was no, no, say. no, no, this is the... Uh, um, so he's got to go and sow his wild oats. And we're introduced to some quite important characters in this episode in terms of Vulcan lore. We meet Tapau for the first time, who yeah. we, we meet in uh, a few episodes. Yeah, now, now I've got China in your hand in my head, but, you know, that that's a different one. Okay. Sorry, uh, my, my brain went down yeah, the pop the yeah. pop music artist. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Right. Coming back from that. <laughs> uh, so we meet his wife. Uh, yep. It turns out she's not as horny for Spock as he is for her. No. 
and she wants to marry someone else, uh, which basically means a, a fight to the death. And then for some, probably, I can't remember the episode, it's a little while since I've seen it, uh, we've, we've, we've got to uh, get this fight to the death. For some reason, it turns out, oh no, wait, that's right, his wife picks Kirk for Spock to fight till the death, the death too. Um, anyway, so uh, you don't know it at the time, but McCoy and Kirk have come up with this plan to fake Kirk's death during the fight and then revive him later on on, on, the, on the ship. And there's a wonderful moment uh, in Star Trek history where Spock thinks he's killed Kirk and uh, is turning himself over to McCoy in sick bay. Yeah. Uh, um, and then uh, Kirk walks up behind him. Now, I'm not saying this was the original, um, the start of Kirk's box slash, slash fiction, where Kirk sneaks up on him from behind. <laughs> and Spock's so overjoyed that he smiles. Um, but that, you know, that, I, I don't know, you know. Uh, and, you know, there's this famous scene there, you know, Kirk surprises on Spock's turns around and cries Jim and he's got the look of absolute joy in his face and gives him a cuddle and then goes straight back into being Spock uh, again. So there's a, there's a lot in that episode. So you picked the wrong episode, James. I did, but you gave me a choice of two and I thought, I can't make my mind up between these, so I will put the decision in the hands of a 12-year-old. So it's the 12-year-old's fault that I, I watched the wrong episode. I take no responsibility. Okay, okay. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was... I mean, we, 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 there's some lore later on in Journey to Babel, which is later in, in season two, with Spock's mum and dad. So we meet Spock's human parent yeah. and his Vulcan father, um, who discovers an ambassador, obviously, in that episode. But I think in terms of the... The lore that then continues on through Star Trek, as far as the Vulcans are concerned, not necessarily Spock's family, as, as so much of it came out of Amok. It was also the first time, yeah, as you said, it was the first time we had to live long and prosper. The, and the, and uh, very much so with the um, that bringing things that continued basically forever, because um, virtually every episode, uh, sorry, every series of Star Trek that's had a Vulcan main character has had them hit Ponfar at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you've got it in Voyager, you've got it in Enterprise. We don't really have a Vulcan main character in the next generation, really. Um, mm, no, we don't, do we? They yeah, make I mean, appearances quite regularly. You see them walking around the ship and what have you, but we don't have a, a main character in, in next gen. So no, I we've got, obviously, we've got a couple of big guest appearances. Oh, Sarek. yeah. Sarek. Sarek's yeah, that- a couple of episodes, Spock's in a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, I think it's the episode Gambit, I think, where one of the guest stars was posing as a Vulcan, but turns out she's a Romulan. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is in TNG Vulcan-wise. I don't think there's... But TNG-wise, you see them just randomly walking down corridors and yeah. things like that, whereas... When we were talking about DS9 earlier on, you don't even really see that in DS9 because they're all Bajorans. No, well, I mean... The random people are all either Bajoran or random monster mystery creature number seven. Well, the whole reason that there is the the Vulcan that goes on the killing spree in season seven, DS9, 
No, my brain's gone blank. Uh, You're talking so, about Killing Spree, and my brain went straight to Voyager. I'm, tr- I'm desperately trying to remember the name of the episode. It's Esri has to solve solve it, and he's using he's using a rifle with bullets, which is confusing the hell out of everyone. And what he's doing is firing the gun, and then teller transporting the bullets into the. Oh, n- yes, yes, I, I now know the one you mean. I, I'm. Shit at episode names, so I, I can't help. I'm trying desperately to remember it, and I'm annoyed that I don't remember it. So I'm not remember most of the season, season seven episodes. Is that because uh, they're all yeah, called so and so but... part one, and so and it'll be so and so part seventy three. That's what it'll be, Gregor. No, it was it was definitely before the penumbra series. What <laughs> uh, was one of the last ones before that? Um, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, but it's, it's, it's quite an uncharacteristic uh, Vulcan uh, to be in that. But okay. we do get elements where, for dramatic purposes, the Vulcans break character. That's not an uncommon thing running throughout the whole of Trek, really, is it? Um, you've got uh, Paris and Tuvok getting all buddy buddy in 1990. Um, down at Chrono Works, where that's not very Vulcan, oh. isn't the way that Tuvok's acting there, for example. <laughs> and so it, it's used quite regularly, is that breaking away from the stoic, logical character. Well, that, I think this is the thing with, because in the original series, we're presented with Spock, um, yes. and we're presented that the Vulcans are very logical, unemotional. Etc. And any time Spock does show emotions, it's put down to him having a, a, a human mother. Now later on, as the, the Vulcan war develops, we find out that they have this incredibly violent past. Yeah. They have, they have these incredible tempers, and they they learn to suppress them. Yeah, it's all so, social conditioning, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not that Vulcans are uh, unemotional; it's they they've embraced logic and control. In order to suppress their violent tendencies, so far from being unemotional, they're actually incredibly emotional, which was quite convenient when they wanted to do these uh, out of the the box yes. of Vulcan yeah. stories. We're just going to let that tap open a little bit and let the scary Vulcan out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, well, when you think about Paul Far and Amok Town, um, you know, Spock's going off his head, so that was pretty extreme. For, but, for, they all do, don't they, when they hit Ponfar? They've carried yeah. that on nicely. Um, when you see Paul hitting um, Ponfar, you get that. When you see Tuvok um, having to go and, you know, have his wicked way in the holodeck, um, we, we we get that. So. I mean, when, I mean, when Paul had it, I was surprised there wasn't a queue outside our quarters. Have, have you seen Tim Ross? Why wasn't there a queue for Tuvok? I'd have joined that queue. I'd have helped him out. No holodeck required. Yeah, he was cleaning up the holodeck after that, wasn't he? You know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to have to ever. If Star Trek becomes true, if I ever have to empty a filter on a holodeck, then then I'm going to quit Starfleet. Clean in the holodeck after Riker. There you go. After Riker, no. Oh, you wouldn't be able to tell where the floor or the wall or anything was. My goodness. 
Oh, we've seen oh. him get his leg over a chair, and never mind a person. My goodness. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, so much that came out, and then, I mean, there was some stuff that we we got in the films, particularly Star Trek Two going into Star Trek Three. Yep. Spock um, facing his captor inside McCoy, and then in three of them having to get Spock's conveniently regenerated body <laughs> to uh, Mount Celia on, uh, on, on Vulcan so the High Priestess could transfer the Kratra back. Which I was hate handy. resurrection plot lines, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> We've killed uh, the character, but we didn't mean to. Well, well it, it, it worked. I mean, two, three, four are uh, a great triumph trilogy of movies, I think, in my opinion. I just, I just think if you're gonna kill a main character, then kill them. Yeah, but the problem was they thought they were killing him. That was the problem. Um, well, they should have just left him dead then. Well, it, but it wasn't as simple as that because Nimoy wanted out. No one thought there was going to be a Star Trek three. But then when they were making it, and they realised actually, this 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 could be quite good, and Nimoy was enjoying himself again. And then it turned out to be a hit, so they had to very quickly, towards the end of filming, just leave that door open a little bit. Because Nimoy had changed his mind, and the studio thought, actually, we might have a hit here. Um, it, it just always feels, in whatever <coughs> branch of TV or film I'm watching, it always feels like a cop-out when your main character dies and, lo and behold, mysteriously, they come back alive again. That's one great thing about TNG. When they killed Tasha Yar, she stayed dead. And... Uh, uh, well, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much stayed dead. Yes, that was Enterprise. Yeah, but that's not the same Tasha Yar. That's a slightly different one, so that's not the same. <laughs> Um, you get what I mean, stop yeah. being pedantic. Um, <laughs> whereas they did the same in Discovery when they killed um, Cobra and Cobra came back and it's it's like, all right, Cobra shouldn't have died in the first place because that was a stupid decision. Um, but the bringing him back was bullshit because it just doesn't... Killing a, a main character and then just randomly bringing them back, I just, I, no, I'm not. And it's not an anti-Spock or an anti-Leonard Nimoy, because I love Spock, I love Leonard Nimoy. It's just a dramatic rhetoric that I don't like, is the we haven't got the balls to kill him off. I should have killed Stamets and then left him dead, because he's annoying. Oh, I love Stamets. Oh, he's so annoying. No. Go and wash your mouth out with soap and water. He's just an annoying... How dare you? Sort of, if it came into the mess hall, I'd be like, I'm going to go and sit in the corner and stay as far away from him as possible. But, you know, being a grumpy old man is your prerogative. Yeah. You're allowed to be one. Makes me happy. Makes me happy. Don't don't, don't do it if it makes you happy. Then you won't be a grumpy old man because you'll be happy. Anyway, um, so they didn't really have a Vulcan main character in TNG, as you said, because basically Data was the Vulcan. Pretty much. 
Yeah, in the same way Odo is the Vulcan in DS9. Uh Um, So, yeah, so we didn't have have that. But we did get a pretty significant double episode uh, revolving around the Vulcans. Because I think Sarek's in an episode before Unification, isn't he? I can't remember which order things come in. I'm pretty sure the episode Sarek is before Unification. The one and Sarah mind melts with GL, sorry, Jean Luc. Yeah. Um, and then at the beginning of unification, I believe Sarah is dying and Jean Luc goes to see him. Yeah, I've, I've, I've just cheated and looked it up. Yes, Sarah does come before unification. Um, but yeah, unification is a, a, a major contribution to yeah. the Falcon War. So, Very much so. Um, all right, but what do you? remember from unification well it, it links back to when we were um talking about the romulan episode doesn't it we talked about this episode quite a bit when we were talking about the romulans because they are the cousins of each other and it explores uh, a little bit of that and well i'm saying a little bit of that that's kind of the point um and it gives us that kind of insight into What's a Romulan? What's a Vulcan? What's the difference? Because um, I'm I'm still unsure. If you stuck um, a Vulcan or a Romulan on a bio bed, could you tell the difference? Is there a physiological difference between a Vulcan and a Romulan, or are they just culturally different? Well, Romulans have little veggies on their forehead, don't they? It depends which episode of Star Trek you watch. <laughs> Sometimes they do. Sometimes budget, they don't. I've had budget I, for a makeup artist that week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like sometimes Spock has really, really set purple eyes. Other times he just has a not. So yeah, it's a, that. No, that, uh, I, I'm not having that argument because that's pick an alien in Star Trek that hasn't changed. Trill, they went through random changes. Bajorans, they went through random changes. But yeah, I'm I'm curious to know whether Romulans and Vulcans are the same species, or whether they are they separated that far back that there's then been further evolution and that they've diverged into subspecies. Um, like, yeah. D- do they have the same biology or are they just like people who were brought up in different environments? Um, obviously, they've got like the look of a Romulan with their big square shoulder pads, but they're big square shoulder pads and you've got flowing robes if you're a Vulcan. Um, well, can I just put an appeal out to Mohammed Noor, the space biologist? Could you answer James's question? Yes, please do. What's the difference between a Vulcan and a Romulan? And I don't want a punchline. I, I, want, I want facts and diagrams and gene sequencing, please. Uh, but, you know, Dr. Mohammed Noor may know that answer. Um, I, I shall tweet him tonight. Please do. Uh, and see. Yeah, I, I mean, part, let's just be honest, I think Unification is just a great episode, isn't it? Oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's great fun to watch. Uh, we've got Massive information about Romulans, massive information about Vulcans. We've got Spock, we've got Sarek. What more do you need in life? We've got Tasha Yar's daughter. 
Yeah, yeah. So she's not quite dead because it's the same actress, just to keep the fans happy. Yeah, but but you can't say that that's the character not being dead because her daughter appears. No one, no one really dies in Star Trek. No one ever really dies. Data. B four. No, but Data's dead. But the his memories at B four, and then he wasn't dead because then they brought him back for the last episode. Wesley Crush's dad. <laughs> yeah, but he was dead, and then he was in it, kind of, <laughs> just for a flashback. That um, ghost that Dr. Bashir, uh, not Dr. Bashir, that ghost that Dr. Crusher had a bit with, that was dead, surely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it goes somewhat beyond necrophilia, that, doesn't it, actually, boring the ghost? Yeah, I, I don't know what the, the, the term is for sexual attraction to ghosts. Subrosa, that's what it is. Subrosophilia. <laughs> Subrosophilia. <laughs> No, it's oh shit, we've run out of episodes. Let's write some bollocks and put that out instead. Yeah. I think it was directed that as well. Of course he did. It was a yeah, he, must have, he must have he must have read that and go, Wait, what the fuck? How have I got this? How did I get this episode? <laughs> yeah, that's one of them where you just look at it and you think, Yeah, okay. but I know how much they're paying yeah, me, so it's pa- fine. Pa- Patrick gets a fistful of gators and I get the shit, what's going on? <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, unification was so much. Uh, when you think about all the stuff that came out of unification that we've used since then, um, sticks in my throat, but Star Trek 2009. Yeah, um, um, I, I, we, I knew at some point we were going to have to discuss it. Um, is that a good excuse for me to Google images of Spock in that movie? Because but anyway, um, but if that makes you happy, uh, uh, that, it's it's now James that's going through the bonfire. Yeah, 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 is, yeah, yeah. It, um, it is my bonfire. You can have yours when we get on to enter. We get to enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, because you see Spock's development in that film, don't you? Um, quite significantly. Um, but. You, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You also see that in the um, beginning of like season one or so of Discovery, you do see the the childhood of Spock and how Spock became Spock, which is quite cool. Uh, regardless of what you think of Discovery, the actual um, fleshing not... out of a backstory is quite cool. I I'm know not... you don't have an issue with I'm not, the... I'm, I'm not sure that, that it was... That substantive, the Spock's childhood and, and discovery is it was displayed. I don't like the 2009 film, but I thought the the kids stuff. The bit of the Science Institute. Yeah, was actually, where they're doing the tests. Was uh, I don't think it's a good film, but I think that was um, an interesting aspect to show oh, some oh, potential yeah. could have happened to Spock as a child. It, it's a bloody yeah. awful film, but yeah, that element of it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, I there is an element to Star Trek Gregor and I agree on. We both hate JJ Treks. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, JJ has been a, a huge uniting force in fandom because he has united Star Trek and Star Wars fans and, he's, and their hatred of them. That, that, that's true. You know, that's what, what an achievement that is. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
Yes, it's well, only you, Josh Wedden that's ever managed to unite a fandom in such a way like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, unification cast a long shadow across Star Trek. Very much so. Definitely. Um, I, I, I can't think of any more. I, I think there are Vulcans, I think, in TNG after that, but I can't think of anything that made as much of a, of a contribution to what we know about the Vulcans in TNG than that made. No, if I vaguely remember rightly, one of the um, random Lower Decks people in the TNG episode mm. Lower, Lower Decks, Decks yeah. is uh, a Vulcan. Um, not Lower Decks as in the series. Oh, this has all got confusing now all of a sudden, but yeah. Um, it's okay, I knew what you meant. Yeah, but I needed to make sure that everybody else knew what I meant as well. Uh, yeah. Um, I've just had a, a, a quick look, and uh, according to Memory Alpha, um, now they list how many episodes of um, each series have the appearances of Vulcans in, and they purposely exclude Spock, Tuvok, and Paul because otherwise it wouldn't make uh, much sense. Apparently, DS9 has 27 episodes that contain Vulcans that aren't Spock, Tuvok, and T'Pol, which is a shock for me. I, mm. I didn't think for a minute there were that many. Are I these mean, just like random ones that walk past, or what? No, it, it must be, because only... The only significant episode I can think about with Vulcans was take me to the holiday. Yeah. I think that must have been all that. Must have been, you know, bulky commanders and mutants and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and and yeah. the one with the one with the murderer. Yeah. But yeah. no, I was just surprised how many it was. Um there's also um apparently they've listed six episodes of Picard as well as being specifically Vulcan relevant. Well I mean, I'm a Titan commander. Oh, no. Was it, her, isn't, I, she was Romulan. She's she Romulan, isn't she? Yeah, she was a Romulan, kind of Vulcan. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So the, there is that um, bit to it. I'm just looking through now this first episode, but I can't think of anything in Picard that screams Vulcan at me. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you're you're correct. I've just had a look through, and the reason they're listing those is because of Commodore Rowe, who they have listed as a Vulcan Starfleet officer, which does give um, credence to my theory that you can't tell the difference between a Vulcan and a Romulan if you stick them in a bio bed, um, and that biologically they're the same, because surely one of the doctors at Starfleet would have noticed. Hang on a minute, you've got that extra nipple. You're a Romulan. Mm. Not that I'm saying all Romulans have an extra nipple, but you know what I mean. How can we find that out? Um, I think you can take a trip to the NX01 and I'll meet you when I get back from Voyager. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, so and, and she's Romulan, but Marissa and Picard, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I, I'll have um, the... I don't even know, can't even remember what he's called, but the, the Tal Shiar agent who works on the vineyard, the... Uh, I can't think... Yeah. The, the Irish one's yes. partner. Ah, yes, yeah, so yeah, they, they weren't in it long enough for us to get the names. Yeah. Uh, 
Because I, I can't a, think, I can't think of another fit Romulan that I'd yeah, be interested it's, it's, it's in. Been a, it's been a trope of uh, your Trek episodes for a while. Um, I did, something came into my head that I was going to say to try and move on from unification, and you know what? I, I can't remember what it was. Well, in, in, how about Enterprise, or how about we talk about the greatest half Vulcan, half Talaxian? Two Vicks. In the galaxy. Oh, I love two Vicks. I mean. So go on, Gregor. You're Captain Janeway. What do you do? Depends what side of bed I put out that morning. Um, I, I mean. Do you do the sem- sensible thing of taking the copy out of the transport buffer, creating another one, and then splitting that one so that two Vox. Tuvix and Neelix can all survive, or do we uh, ignore that massive plot hole in that episode? I think we I mean, I would personally ignore that plot hole so, oh, okay. that, so that people could have arguments about it for the okay. next 25 years. Because um, you know how I like an argument. I, I, <laughs> I know, but I also like an answer when I can just say, stop your bloody arguing, look, this. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this thing with... Um, a lot of the allegory stories that we have in, in Star Trek, and the allegory sometimes has to play second fiddle, or um, plot holes have to play second fiddle to allegory in order yeah. for the story to to reach its conclusion, and you know, and and, and have these moral discussions of, of what is the right thing to do. So you still answer the question: the mood you're in today, Gregor, today, is it two Vix? Or Tuvok and Neelix? Well, I'd have Tuvix in that transport or in, yeah. in a second. Absolutely. You'd be separating uh, them and killing uh, Tuvix, yeah? You're breathing all wrong. Step in the track. Mr. Tuvix, your breathing is fucking. Step into the transport, Mr. Tuvix. <laughs> you see, for me, I'm on the other side of the coin um, because I feel that to carry on with something that has already happened is sad. Yes, it means that Tuvok and Neelix will sadly not be with us anymore, but this has already happened. There already is a Tuvix, so we'll live with the consequences of what's happened, as opposed to I will make a decision that I will put this living creature into... Um, a transporter and through my actions my deliberate actions that life will no longer exist well they, so didn't, I, they, they didn't kill Thomas Riker did they because he came from a pattern before no yeah, so, and, what's that you can store a whole pattern in a, tra- in a pattern buffer oh funny that don't tell me they don't make backups yeah. I'm, I'm not quite sure if the, the, the matter came to form the the pattern, but um, well, that's energy matter transfer, isn't it? That's going back mm. to Einstein and e equals mm. mc squared, because mm. energy and matter are interchangeable, which is the whole principle of transporter technology. Oh wow, I went geeky then. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, if you're transporting someone already, you've got that mass there, so the energy is there. Yes. But, uh, batteries. If you've just got the pattern, uh, I mean, there's 
the amount of atoms in our body is a enormous amount of energy. It's almost like it's science fiction, Gregor. (laughs) I know, but you started it. So, but when I don't know the answer, I I just find a different way to tell you that you're wrong. (laughs) Um, So, shall we talk about enterprise? Before we talk about enterprise, due to chronology, I think we need to talk about first contact. Because that will yeah. lead us nicely into Enterprise, then. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, because if we're talking about Vulcans, we can't not talk about First Contact, surely. Well, given that we're talking about the history of the Vulcan people and the fact that they were the first people we had contact with, that's pretty important in the, in the, the order of things, I would say. And to segue slightly into Enterprise... Um, how did they manage to get the actual cast of the film to come back for a TV series? That was cool. If, if you're listening to this, I'm doing a Picard face palm. Why? Just, just, um, just, Why? Do I have to explain this? Is, are you having a laugh here? Am I going to have to explain this? Go on. They just cut that seen from the film and put it at the start of the episode. Was it not reshot for the episode at all? No. Because he had <laughs> different lines. Yeah, but if you look at the way they cut it, it's from the film. Oh, I thought they'd reshot it. You've spoiled no. it now. It's just from the film. Only bit there, because if you see the gun coming out, you don't see anybody's head. It's not a headshot. Oh, I was really dis- I'm really disappointed now. I thought they Now you're faking it. Oh, that's it, I give up. Uh, I'll tell you what. You've, you've you... just ruined Star Trek for me, Gregor. Uh, I'll tell you what. If you ever have to deal with Zachary Quinto's Pond Farm, you're faking it like that, you'll not get very far. If he's on Pond Farm, it doesn't matter whether I'm faking it or not. He still needs the job doing. <laughs> I always wanted to be the right dog. No, I'm... So you've got that brilliant scene in First Contact where you've got Zeph and Cochrane and you've got the Vulcans coming out of the ship and it's just... When I think of Vulcans, I think of that scene and the the, the joining together and... Yeah, the beginning of the, found, of the founding of the Federation and it's just brilliant. Um, and then we go to Enterprise where we're like, oh, yeah, we've founded a federation eventually. But before that, you've got to go through four seasons of being treated like shit. Go on, off you go, humans. Um, so I, I, I quite like that element of it, too. Yeah, I mean, this, that scene in First Contact's a great scene. Um, obviously, brilliantly, brilliantly directed by uh, Mr. Freaks himself. And that scene's, you know, complemented with uh, Jerry Goldsmith's incredible score. And, you know, and having gone through the whole film to get to that scene at the end, um, it pays off. It's not, I mean, First Contact's not a perfect film. I think the Borg Queen does spoil the the Borg, as it were, but for a cinema audience, they had to introduce a protagonist rather than just have the Borg be a menacing collective. 
and they needed a, a protagonist for Picard to go up against. And they, they, okay, it spoiled the board and um, Voyager for after it. But over apart from that, I think it's a great film, and, and that end scene is just one of Star Trek's great moments. I think. Yeah, it's just talking about it. You can see it in your mind's eye, can't you? And it's mm. just beautiful. So well shot. Just mm. everything about it is just fantastic. Well, uh, so I, go on. I'm going to jump. We're going to go to Enterprise after that, right? That, that, that's where I was going to direct you. I was going to say, go on, off you go to your decontamination chamber oh. with Paul. <laughs> to Paul and to Paul on one side and push you in the other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, feel, I'm, I'm not feeling right yet, Dr. Flox. You need to stay in here. Um, I'll, I'll go and wait outside with Trip. Let me I, know when I, you're done. I'm going to jump to a season four episode of Enterprise from First okay. Contact, and that's okay. in, a mirror, in a mirror darkly. Because obviously we've got to Paul in a mirror darkly, but we're in the mirror universe, and yep. we have a, a, a different Vulcan lore in the mirror universe, where they are the victims. Yes. In, in the yeah, it's universe. kind of... Well, you've got the Terran Empire, haven't you? Which is... Yeah. Earth is the big I am. It's... Um, feels almost like a, an analog... An al, analog... Allegory. Thank you. Anal no, no, no. Allegory uh, is the word I was wanting to get, but analogy kept speaking into my brain, and I didn't want analogy. I just wanted allegory. Uh, it feels like um, an allegory for the way that, at the moment, the US sees themselves. Um, as in, that is the centre of the world, and everything revolves around that. So I, I don't know whether that was their intention to comment on that, um, or not, because social commentary has always been a strong part of Star Trek. Um, but yeah, with the human-centric focus of the Mirror Universe, it really does change that Vulcan-human relationship. Mm. And it's, it's certainly a different Vulcan-human relationship, but which we do see develop over four seasons of, of Star Trek. I don't think it's flawless. Uh, over four seasons of Enterprise, I don't think it's flawless. I'm going to talk about a couple of these things as we, we get more in depth in, in Enterprise, where I think the failings were. Yeah. Um, within that. Um, but you said about the allegory about the US behaviour, uh, just as a complete side note. Yeah. Uh, on the iPlayer at the moment, there's a whole series of Adam Adam Curtis documentaries. I don't know if you've seen any Adam Curtis documentaries, but there's one no. in particular one in particular, a three part a three part one called The Power of Nightmares. Um and that's very interesting if you want to You say I'm saying the US now, but if you go back two hundred years, it was Great Britain who thought yeah. they were the centre of the world. And it does change through history. So I'm not being anti American with that. It's every well, not every country, but a lot of countries have taken their turn at being dominating in in the world stage, should I say? Yeah, well, I, I mean, what I would say, I mean, it's, I've seen a very good YouTube one. It was an American professor talking about how um, America's built its freedoms on, this is all very interesting stuff, but not to do with Star Trek, um, America's built its, its um, perception 
or, or freedoms or not being imperialist. Yes. Uh, just because you don't behave like the British Empire doesn't mean to say that you're not the equivalent of British imperialism now. Very much so. Um, because you can do it, you can have that imperialism in different ways. Um, whether it's tying the whether it's having certain countries tie their uh, currency to the dollar or your banks, um, that it's just imperialism in a different form. Yeah. So, but uh, so that's a sort of the, the, the global politi political. Just, uh, just for the record, while we're on this, historically, I think Britain were the baddies. There we go. Just to get that on, on record that I don't think the British were the goodies. Um, um, as the Scotsman here, I'd just like to disassociate myself with that and say it's the English. Okay, there we go. Um, as in, as as somebody who lives in England, I will wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, <laughs> and because if I wasn't to say that, then I think my Welsh partner would come flying in the door and inform me <laughs> just how bad the English really were historically. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Uh, uh, I think you were heading towards Pomfar. Pomfar. Um, well. Because I've not let you enjoy to Paul's Ponfire. Well, 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 I mean, we'll get to, to Paul's Ponfire. And there was no holodeck on the NX01. There wasn't. You know, so somebody had to get it. Um, Maybe that's why Archer brought a dog. <laughs> but is, is it to, to Paul's married, isn't she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because I think... Uh, yeah, and they never go that far that they can't get back home. No, Not an uh, enterprise. Uh, yeah, I mean, because we find that out in the episode, I've written it down, Kier Shara, where the T'Pol's got Surax Catra, eh, not T'Pol, Archer has Surax Catra in, yeah. in him. But I think, I mean, I, I think that's a brilliant Falcon episode. I want, I'm going to talk about that, but before we get to that episode, just want to briefly talk about the Vulcan-human relationship over the four seasons yep. in, in Enterprise, where it's basically, in essence, neither Vulcan or, or human uh, is trusting each other. You know, the, the, the humans see the Vulcans as holding, um, holding us back, and, and the Vulcans see the humans as not being ready. Um, it's a really interesting one as well because I can see both sides to it, which is really quite nice. It's it, it's nice to be able to look at them and think they're both right in a way. I don't know what the answer is because they're both right. But one of Enterprise's failings, I think, was born out of that because too often in seasons one, two and three, um, they stretched that out and it didn't really, the, the relationship didn't develop until we got, or you didn't you didn't get the payoff of that until we got to Keir Shara. And there's a, a, a great scene because, um, again, Enterprise is no longer actually got more than one main Vulcan character. Yeah. Because we've got uh, Ambassador Suval and T'Pol. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can't get this whole Andorian Vulcan thing as well in Enterprise. Um, but in, in the episode, um, Suval's explaining to Forrest why the Vulcans have been head, holding them back and also his own admiration. 
And it just sort of came out of nowhere from Suval. Whereas, you know, if they had, you know, Suval being the atypical Vulcan. Yeah. Um, in that in that dynamic. And then slowly you've seen him reaching that viewpoint and you know, going from the atypical Vulcan to the mediator between Vulcan and human to the the, the facilitator that brings them together. Yeah. I think that would have been better. And, and, and it was all encapsulated in Kirshira, but I think they could have done that better from the beginning. I think that should have been the arc for season one. Yeah, they, they could have drip-fed that a little bit more, couldn't they? Yeah. I, I definitely think that that, that storyline, I know it was three episodes, and that would have been a great climax for season one, I think. I, I'm yeah. just going to blame Rick Berman, because I can. It might not have been his decision, but I, I like to blame Rick. It was, pro- was probably um, what's his face, Brian. Yeah, but I enjoy blaming Rick Berman. Okay, you, you can't just keep blaming him for everything because you want to. I mean, he's not. No, I, no, I can't. I mean, he's to blame for a lot of things, but <laughs> I can blame him. That doesn't make me correct, but I can blame him. <laughs> um, but of course, it was Manny Quotu by this time. When we go into Kirshira, uh, she done a great job in seasons three and four. Can we just turn this into an Enterprise loving? Actually, I'm quite. No, because that that one was the beginning of the first lockdown when I watched Enterprise. So that's that one was a long time ago. So I'd need to rewatch Enterprise before we did a whole Enterprise session. Um, <sighs> Which is a good excuse to start Enterprise again because it's only four seasons and I really like it. Oh, the thing is, you, you know which ones in season one and two you can skip past. Right? None of them. I watch them all. You watch them all. Yeah. I mean, I've done. I think I've done three whole watch throughs of Enterprise. Now I tend to ch- just cherry pick ones from season one and two. Yeah. But seasons three and four, I watch right through. I I started at the, the beginning of the first lockdown just over twelve months ago. Um, and I went Enterprise, Hall of TNG, Hall of DS9, Hall of Voyager, um, Discovery, uh, Picard, as they were coming out, Lower Decks, as that came out. I tried TOS, got about two episodes in, and found myself rocking in a corner, unable to function, so I couldn't do it anymore. Um, so, But I'm, I'm getting there, because e- each time we do one of these, Gregor's giving me my homework, I get given a TOS episode to watch, and I go off and watch it. Um, I don't know which TOS episode he's going to give me when we talk about Bajorans, but I'm sure he'll think of something. <laughs> mm, ooh, that's, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing I can really think of that would be... Is that because they didn't exist until, like, Well, there is that, but it's, it's more the, the oppressed um, race. Mm. That I'm, I'm thinking about. I mean, maybe you know, let, maybe let that be your last battlefield. No, nah, I, I I don't know. I can't comment. I haven't seen them. But we're talking about Vulcans, and we haven't mentioned. Well, we've briefly mentioned one, but we haven't really chatted about two massively important factors about Vulcans. We haven't mentioned uh, nerve pinches, and we haven't talked about mind melds. 
And oh. if we're talking about Vulcans, how can we not talk about randomly sneaking up behind someone, squeezing the neck, them falling over, and then is going into the next room and sharing a brain with a friend? Well, certainly the, the Vulcan death pinch was, uh, that, again, that was Nimoy's invention. It's cool. I like it. Because uh, he knew the character so well and knew it. He would resort to fisticuffs. And How it works on every race doesn't matter what your biology is. I'll squeeze you on this part um, of your neck and you'll still fall over. I, I, I'm it's not, about as effective as a two-handed punch, but we'll roll with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure who invented the mind meld. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from. But, Do they have mind melds in TOS? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Hogman melts in TOS. So I, I assume so. It, it felt like something that was um, of old. Yeah, they've, they've, they've got it in TOS. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's actually quite an interesting to Paul storyline. Um, yeah. Uh, where she's got the brain condition. It's caused by mind melts, and it's also it's an allegory for um, AIDS in America yes. in the 1980s. Yeah, very much so. Um, and the, the Vulcan establishment are trying to suppress this uh, quote, lifestyle, unquote. Yeah. Um, and that, if you that's... follow this lifestyle, you will get a deadly disease. Yeah. It, uh... it's, it's not hard to see the, the AIDS um, correlation there, is it? Um, so that, that was a, a, quite a, an interesting storyline, and I thought it was interesting to use the Vulcans and something that you typically associate with Vulcans uh, as the vehicle that they chose to do that. Um, but again, that came back further in um, Enterprise when we got to the Keir Shara episode again. Um, and I can't remember the leader of the Vulcan, whoever the chairperson or whoever it was, was, but he was off that, off that, and Paul goes and meets Tapau, um, and they catch uh, up with Surak, and well, they basically change Vulcan into the Vulcan that we we see from TOS onwards. Very much so. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of the emergence of the Vulcans that we know and love. Um, because I remember going into Enterprise, if you like Star Trek, you like Vulcans, because they've always been a good force. And then you go into Enterprise at the beginning and you're like, the Vulcans, the baddies, uh, which is quite a, an interesting, but it's nice that they do resolve it. Um, and yeah. Yeah, they, 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 but they, the mind meld is used a lot. It, it, but it's a really good dramatic tool, isn't it? Um, if you think of Voyager and Tuvok, he's forever mind melding with people. Uh, it's supposed to be really hard, but he does it like six times an episode just for a laugh, I think. So. Well, it's, it's used as therapy on Suda. Is it Suda? Uh, I'm also terrible with character names. The... The um, the murderer, the, yeah. be, the Betazoid, yeah, the Betazoid murderer, yeah, yeah. Um, but I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, another Sudor, Sudor, yeah, because he's in a few episodes and obviously ends up murdering people in a diehard type episode at one point. But he becomes a goodie at the end, just before he dies. Yeah. So he gets his redemption arc. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and his redemption arc comes from the fact that um, he develops that love of horticulture and things because of his mind meld with Tuvok, which is quite cool. That um, for an episodic series, Voyager actually remembered something that happened in a previous episode. Um, yeah, well, it, it's sort of done that with the Borg Queen, but as I said, I think the Borg Queen was a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. well, they started... I think they started sowing those seeds when they created Locutus. I think that began that whole... We are a collective, apart from when we're not. Mm-hmm. Which I think was what was probably taken on. But anyway, I, I get the feeling that Borg may be a conversation for another week. Uh, I can't, I can't remember. remember the list. But if it hasn't got Borg on it, then we need to slap JJ about until it does. Shall, shall I retrieve the list? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Get the memo out the bin. Let's let, let's retrieve Let's get the memo out the bin. Uh, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you know we keep throwing the memo uh, in the bin um, of what what topics we are we are doing. And um, we've been what have we done so far? We've done Tellarites. Tellarites, Romulans, Klingons. All part of season two. So we've done the Andorians. We've done Andorians. The yep. The terrorites and the Romulans were doing focus tonight. Yeah. So um see if you can read my mind as to who's next. Go on then, because I'm not looking at the list, so Okay, the clue is um what can you sense? What can you sense what I'm thinking? Okay, yeah, okay. I don't know, it depends how empathic I'm feeling at the time. <laughs> I'm se- I'm I'm sensing Do you want me to take my clothes off while we have this conversation? Can you put a, a, a really tight, skimpy, sort of dress-type thing on when the rest of the, the crew's in uniform? Only if I'm doing, like, aerobics with the Doctor. Oh, yeah, the, those outfits were fantastic. <laughs> those, uh, the, 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 um, the WTF... Yeah, yeah. The yeah. WTF gym gear. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it's so yeah. 90s, but he, so, it was in the 80s, but at least they hit it so 90s. Yeah, we're still, so we've got, we're doing Betazoids next week, and then we've yeah. got Cardassians, Bajorans, the Herogen, thanks for that, JJ, the Borg, and the Ferengi. Oh, Still yay. to do. Ferengi, I might even put my Ferengi makeup on for the Ferengi. Oh, oh that'd be brilliant. <laughs> Um, where I can be a slightly uglier version of Quark. <laughs> Believe me, it's possible. Are you getting your teeth done? Are you... I, I don't need to. That's why I'm a slightly uglier version. So, yeah, so that's what we've got coming up. But um, I mean, it's difficult to talk about the Vulcans in an hour-ish. Yeah. I mean, you can talk about... Spock, I will call it Spock trilogies, Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 forever. And the stuff that just comes up in that, let you find out about Well, we've had three Vulcan leads in various uh, series. Four, if you count Burnham. Um, Because she was raised on Vulcan, that's why I'm saying if you count Burnham. Stop pulling your face. Um, She's human. She's a human. Yeah, yeah, but culturally, um, she's a Vulcan. Um. So we've had four major series leads with a strong Vulcan influence, then, shall we say. Um, So cramming that into an hour is nigh on impossible. We could have spent a whole hour talking about any one of those four. 
and we could have taken an element of any one of those four. So trying to cover the whole race in an hour, um, it, it it's not possible. But oddly, we've kept on topic for most of an hour. Yeah. JJ's going to think we're ill. You'll think we're, you'll think we're winding them up or something. Or, or we've got something planned, yeah. 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 I mean, so what's your favourite Falcon episode, then? What's my favourite Falcon episode? I think I would have to say that it is Endgame. Now, I know that's not what you're expecting me to say, um, but that bit where Tuvok is approaching the end of his life and you can see the mental degradation that's going on and he's in the, uh, what I can only describe as possibly being a Vulcan asylum, uh, scribbling all the things on the walls and you can see those barriers that Vulcans have built over generations and generations just falling away from him. Um, to me, that's one of the most powerful Vulcan episodes because of the fact that you see this carefully constructed visage falling away from him. So yeah, it's probably not what you're expecting me to say. But... No, um, you know, I, you know what? We haven't mentioned this episode. Spock's brain. Yeah, you're gonna have to remind me slightly which ones that, which series are in for that. If I have this, if I, if you don't know, you've never seen it. Um, so I think you should watch Spock's Brain as your next TOS episode. And oh, is that you, a TOS episode? Is yeah, that the name think, of an episode? Yeah. Uh, if you thought the other TOS episodes you've seen weren't good, wait till you see this one. Well, the other ones had... Every TOS episode I've seen so far has had a good side. Some of them have been larger good sides than others. That Galileo 7 episode that you made me watch, for example, it had the good side that I could see Spock being logical. It had the bad side that the two guys who just kept getting at him all the time were just doing my head in, and I just wanted the giant to turn up and stab him with a spear. Luckily, eventually, they did to one of them. I think um, that probably was the idea that you were meant to feel like that. But, but that's not an enjoyable watch. It's I don't want to watch an episode of Star Trek where I'm willing for people wanting them to die. I'm supposed to want them to survive. We're supposed to be living in Gene Roddenberry's utopia where we've got blatant racism going on on board a ship. That's not utopia. That's that. So, yeah, I, I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like the way that they treated the female um, crew member who came down. Um, it's like she had about two lines and both of them, she was essentially told to shut up the minute she started speaking. Um, this big 14-foot monster of hives. Oh, well, let's go outside. But, of course, McCoy had to escort her behind the rock and gently put her down behind the rock so she, she could get her phaser out before he went and took a defensive stance. And, no, it was just... I didn't like it. <laughs> um, and, and my partner came into the room and, and did say at one point, why are they flying down to a planet in an office building? 
uh, which was how he summed up the Galileo shuttle. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find. No, I watched Sports Green. So, I don't think there'll be anything on Betazoids in the original series. No, no, doesn't. I believe so, they were introduced for TNG, weren't they? Yeah, so you should watch so Sports. In that case, Fox Brain is my homework. And your homework is the next sure, episode sure, of Discovery. What's your tipple of choice? My tipple. Uh, this evening I'm on gin and tonic. Okay, so uh, have some gin and tonics lined up. Every time someone says "sparks brain," you have to have a drink. Okay. Okay. That sounds like a weekend activity. So yeah. Sparks brain, oh, drink. Sparks brain, oh, there's another drink. Is it always Dr. McCoy that says it? Because that Sparks definitely brain. sounded like a Dr. McCoy mm. impression. Yeah. What, what is it, McCoy? It's Sparks brain. They've stolen Sparks brain. Hey, but I haven't <laughs> seen the episode and I still knew that was a Dr. McCoy impression. So obviously your impression wasn't that bad. Um, so yeah, you have yeah. I want to know how drunk you get. You pick up every one every time you see sports brain. Well, if I'm vomiting Sunday morning, I'll blame you. In fact, uh, no, I won't. I'll blame whoever wrote Spock's brain. Uh, I don't know who wrote it. It wasn't one of the great writers. It wasn't Harlan Nelson or anybody like that. That's for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of my favourite Vulcan episode. I, don't know, I suppose Unification, actually. Yeah. I'm not yeah. surprised. You've been talking about it a lot this evening, so... Yeah, I suppose Unification would be the one that would pick out as my favourite Vulcan episode. Although I do... I don't know. I did really enjoy um, Kirshira. Kirshira. did really enjoy that one as well. So uh, it's between those two. Don't force me to pick. Um, no, damn it. I'll go for the Enterprise one. I'll go for Kirshira. That's my favourite Vulcan episode. I, I, I do also really enjoy the um the one at the beginning of discovery where they do go back to um Vulcan with um where Burnham and Sarek and Lenthe. Sorry? Lenthe. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, I do quite like that one as well. Um, one the, so, it's one of the discovery episodes that I tolerate. So um, I'm going to put that one on a par for completely unusual reasons. I'm going to put that one tied with Endgame, which I never thought I'd say, but there we go. <laughs> I'm tying those two episodes, but purely because of their Vulcan-ness. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> that double whammy. <laughs> what, what, what's the point of me being here? I'm just going to say what you think I'm going to say. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. What is it? They've taken James's brain. <laughs> yeah, good luck. They'd have to find it first. What is it? What, what is it, Gregor? They have James's brain. I've got that Gregor. if it helps. I'm just holding a skull up to the camera now so that Gregor can see that I'm just going to hand him a skull because yeah. why not? Everybody's got one of those next to the computer, right? So, well, at least Betasoids will get to talk about Diana. You will, and and we get to talk about um, her mum and Odo making out in a turbo lift. Yeah. Actually, that's quite a lot. I, mean, I quite liked the, the Odo Luxana thing. Actually, it's quite, 
Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it more next week, but I've got issues with the accents, but we'll come on to that next week. <laughs> you talk about Marina's accent? Uh, it's No, I'm talking about Roxana's lack thereof. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was more to do with the fact that Marina was a relatively unknown um, actress at the time and was told that she had to... Uh, Speak in some kind of accent. Yeah, and, and she spent uh, ages developing this alien-sounding accent that didn't quite fit any geographical area. It was really good, and then Roddenberry went, "You're right, love. You want to party in Star Trek?" And off she went, and just went, "Hello, I'm here." Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, well that's exactly why she didn't have to do the accent because she was yeah. married to Roddenberry. <laughs> so, so, so no, I, I, fuck that. I'm not. Do, I'm not talking like that. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I just thought it made a mockery of a lot of hard work that Marina had put in. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Marina has uh, threatened to remove her Spurs tattoo, but Spurs are back down, so she's not getting her tattoo removed anymore. Um, other news. Are you talking about sports ball? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you, you, you carry on and just let me know when you finish, because I haven't got a clue. Okay, well... No, no, no. Some football clubs threatened to break away and form their own European Super League. Spurs were one of them. And Marina tweeted that she was going to get her Spurs tattoo removed if they'd done it. Is this like marquee football clubs? Well, no, they're, they're more Dominion, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, more Dominion than marquee. Um, so it's not a breakaway as such, it's more of an opposing force. Yeah, they were going to create their own Dominion. That was... That's what they were going to do. I can tell this conversation's not really going anywhere. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm I'm just filling dead air, really. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. You uh, should have got the clue when I referred to to it as sports sports ball. ball, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Well, sports, um, they are a snooker club uh, and they play rugby in the snooker snooker club with their golf bats. um, Yeah. You know, um, and, and the cricket pitches. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. You sound about as sporty as my sister. I, I, I really, I couldn't think of anything more boring than watching 22 blokes run around a field kicking a ball. I suppose one of them has a ball at the time, to be fair. You don't. All, well, they've all got two balls each, but I mean, you don't kick them. Well, at least they're not supposed to. Um, but it has been known to happen. It, it just doesn't entertain me. I, I, I have watched, I've tried, and I've gone, no, I don't know what's going on, and I don't really want to. So, well, I guess that's us for another week. We actually went over an hour there, but I'm not surprised if it being Vulcans. And we stayed on topic for nearly all of it. We, did, we stayed on topic for nearly a whole Vulcan hour. We did, um, which is astounding. JJ is going to be very impressed. Yes, yes, he's going to be very impressed. He's going to be disappointed next week, um, but he'll be very impressed this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I, I don't know. We've got quite a bit we could talk about with next week. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's, it's going to be what he's wanting us to talk about, though. Oh, I almost certainly I, not. I, I don't know if it's going to go in that direction at all. Naked weddings, um, that sort of thing. Well, I'm assuming that's what we're going to be talking about. 
are we going to record it, make it? I'd rather not. Well, I, I think I will go full with Jordan and record it, make it. Well, well, I, I'll um, I, I'll take um, Worf's position on this, uh -huh. and 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 say no until my captain tells me I have to. <laughs> Well, when we come to do the Ferengi one, I'm going to make Sarah take all her clothes off and walk around the house, make it just like a proper Ferengi. Okay. Uh, what, when are we recording that? Because I might pre-book the ambulance now for when you uh, tell her. Are, are you are you saying there might be repercussions for me if I do that? I, I, yes. I, I, I think that you may um, be going to see the Divine Treasurer earlier than you're expecting. Okay. Well... Obviously, if, if, if that happens, you'll need to get a stand-in if I'm, I'm incapacitated for some reason. That's all right. I'm sure I can buy somebody. Well, um, I think we've explored Vulcans in as much sense as we are going to tonight. Uh, <laughs> so just remind our listeners uh, where they can find you. So you can find me on Twitter at the Militon. And you can find me on Twitter at the Crabbit Ginger. Uh, I'm Gregor. You've been and I've been James. And uh, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.